0: I read from 2 Corinthians 1, and for context, I will begin at verse 1, and we will read through verse 11. (coughs) Excuse me. 2 Corinthians 1, this is God's word, hear it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. So also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also. You are sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us he on whom we have set our hope and he will yet deliver us you also joining in helping us through your prayers that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed upon us through the prayers of many thus far the grass withers the flower fades the word of our God Shall will stand forever amen beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ I choose a favorite text tonight that has meant so much to me in the last eight weeks since my wife's passing but I'm not going to give another eulogy you can hear that on YouTube if you want to she was a great saint And I joy that she sees the face of Jesus and sings God's praises even now as the church on earth does. But I picked this text this evening because I have a burden for you. It's not about me and it's not about my wife. It's about you, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ of what you are about to endure in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Excuse me one second. It's on. There's so much echo up here I can't hear it. I hope you can. And so I turn to this text tonight because it speaks to us of who God is, what God does, what we are to do, and with whom we are to do it. Who God is, What God does, what we are to do in response, and with whom we are to do it. These four heads flow very naturally out of the text. Notice with me, first of all, the titles that Paul gives to God under the infallible inspiration and inerrant work of the Holy Spirit. Notice his first word in verse 3 blessed be this is a very Jewish prayer Baruch Hata Adonai Eloheinu blessed are you Lord our God most Hebrew prayers begin particularly in the Passover Haggadah blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort Now, beloved, if this God is not to you, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, if you have not known the comfort of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you have not sensed the mercy of God in your soul, then listen a bit more carefully. This is for you. For God comes to us, as Calvin says, clothed in His gospel tonight in the words of Isaiah comfort, comfort ye my people speak ye peace thus saith your God say to them that they have been paid double for all their sins God comes to his people as the father of mercies and the God of all comfort There was once was a book published that I thought was very helpful by J.B. Phillips. And I don't endorse everything that J.B. Phillips has written thereby. But this book was called Your God is Too Small. <clears throat> and sometimes we who focus on the whole counsel of God can be so taken up in the majesty that we miss the mercy. We are so caught up in the surpassing conquest of the kingdom of God that we miss the comfort. And yet, is this not the very name that Jesus gives himself and the Holy Spirit in John 14? He says, God will send you another comforter whom the Father shall send in my name. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, that I do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Oh, beloved, there's a lot to be troubled about in this world, is there not? Threat of war, spiraling inflation. Seeming unbridled wickedness immorality impurity evil desires what as Paul laid it out in his litany in Colossians 3 sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires and greed which is idolatry anger rage malice slander filthy language you don't have to go far in the midst of a comfortless callous cold world God comes to us in his gospel as the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. It was not always so, beloved. Once you walked in in your trespasses, dead in your sins and trespasses, as Paul says in Colossians 2, in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. But was it not mercy by which God made you alive with Christ when he forgave you all your sins, having canceled the written code which was against you, that stood opposed to you, when he took it away, nailing it to the cross? Was it not mercy when he disarmed the rulers and authorities, making a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross? What was the blind man man? said to Jesus, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he's not only the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, he's the God who raises the dead. Look with me at verses 8 through 11. What does Paul say there? Verse 9. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. This God who is willing to be merciful to you, who is willing to comfort you, is able to sustain you because he's the God who raises the dead. And as Paul says in Romans 8 verse 9, if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also. Through his Spirit, which dwells in you. This is why Paul can say in Philippians 2 as he begins his discourse on Christ's humility and ours if there is any encouragement from being united to Christ, any comfort from his love, be of the same mind. He says in Ephesians 4. You should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace because of the calling with which you've been called. Beloved, as First Peter 2, quoting Hosea, Hosea, says, Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. And as Sean reminded me in another one of my sermons today, we're in the application part now in case you didn't notice. How do you treat one another? Are you willing to give one another the benefit of the doubt? Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. Love is not arrogant or rude. It is not irritable or resentful. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love does not... Insist on its own way. It does not rejoice in the wrong, but in the right. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Is that how you're loving one another? Have you prayed the Lord's Prayer on the Lord's Day today? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Are you showing mercy? Those who show mercy show that they understand how they have received mercy. Do you remember the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18? Do you? The one who had been forg- who had been forgiven a great debt by his debtor, by he was a by his creditor, and there was a man who owed him a few denarius and he had him thrown in jail. And there is a verse in Matthew 18 35 that gets my attention, and I hope it gets your attention too. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you if you do not forgive one another from the heart. The merciful show mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Do you show mercy? Brothers and sisters, I don't even know, being a stranger to this place, relatively speaking, how often you receive communion. But if there is someone in this congregation to whom you need to go, don't you dare come to the Lord's table until you've gone to them and be reconciled. If you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother has aught against you, first go to your brother and be reconciled and then come and offer your gift. For you are a child of the Father of mercies, of the God of all comfort. Are those among you who need comfort, do they need visits? Is it only the pastor in the session who are to visit? Well, that's what we pay him for. Oh, really, I hope not. I hope you pay him. But I hope that's not the reason you pay him so he can do for you altogether what you could do for yourself. How many silent cries from hurting hearts are in this room tonight? How many grieving souls? How many pained people are here? I know what God does. He is the Father of mercies. He is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. Having talked about who He is, let's talk about what He does. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort by which we ourselves are comforted by God. Just by way of personal testimony, I can't tell you the number of grieving people that the Lord has crossed my paths with in the last eight weeks. It's been striking. I get texts, I get Facebook messages, I get emails, I get phone calls. God comforts you in your affliction so that you can comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort by which you yourselves are comforted by God. Your comfort is not for you. What's the difference between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee? Can you tell me? Children, what's the difference between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee? Wait, I'll tell you. The Dead Sea is dead because it only receives. The Sea of Galilee to this day is a living thing, thriving with fish because it both receives and gives. So I say to you, who are the afflicted among you? Who are the ill? Who are the injured? Who are the infirm? Who are the weak? What does Jesus say in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46? In that great day, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory with all his holy angels, then shall he set the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And he shall say, To those on his right here, come ye blessed of my Father into the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then shall the righteous say, When did we see you hungry and give you food or thirsty and give you drink or naked and clothe you or sick and care for you or in prison and visit you? Then shall the Son of Man say unto them, Truly, truly I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. Is there any comfort, any encouragement from being united to Christ? It's not just for you. It's intended to be through you to one another. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we are comforted by God, so says verse 4. But it gets worse, and yet it gets better. How so? Follow me here. Paul gives his own testimony, doesn't he? This Paul, who says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And we somehow mistakenly get the idea that he skipped on his way to the executioner's acts with a smile pasted on his face. I don't know, because the Bible doesn't say. But this Paul describes his own condition and those who are with him. Probably Paul with Silas or Timothy or Luke. What does he say? For we do not want you to be aware, unaware, brethren, verse 8, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Wait a minute, Paul. What are you saying? Indeed, He goes on. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. There are Christians that are like Paul in the world right now who are in prison, who are being beaten, who are being tortured, in whose bodies are being fulfilled. The saying which is written from Psalm 44 is quoted by Paul in Romans 8. For thy sake we are being killed. All the day long we are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. We need to be aware. Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware. It's kind of like on a captain on a ship when he gets on the horn and says, now hear this. This is your captain speaking. And all sailors snap to attention and give attention to nothing else but the voice of their captain. Paul says, we do not want you to be unaware. This is an exhortation Beloved brothers and sisters, to be aware of the suffering that is going on in the persecuted church around the world. Our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Hero Hochbart, our own missionary in Lviv. How much do you know? How much have you read? How much have you prayed? I'd go further, but I'd be moving from preaching to meddling at that point. So I'll leave it there for now. There you have a whole bulletin board in your fellowship hall that gives you information. Are you aware of the affliction that the saints, as then, with Paul in Asia, are now suffering? In Asia, of our missionaries, the McCabes, And others, we are called to be aware, to care, to pray, to give, to go. Have you considered a short-term missions project so that you get a better understanding of the sufferings and the afflictions and the challenges that those who dare to preach the gospel in persecuting countries Must sustain. But Paul doesn't stop there. He says, This was not, this is so that we should not trust in ourselves, but in the God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope. This is what God does. He comforts us in all our afflictions. He shows us mercy so that even when we are overwhelmed with excessive sorrow, far beyond the ability to endure, so that we despair even of life, even when we feel the sentence of death within us. What is our response? Faith, saving faith, true and saving faith. This was to make us rely Not on ourselves, but on the God who raises the dead. And in a society where you cannot almost find a person above the age of 12 who does not have a digital device on their person, don't challenge me on that, I may be wrong. We are a self sufficient people. When I came back from Germany, actually, after a deployment to the Gulf. I was overwhelmed by overchoice when I walked through the supermarkets. You have a whole aisle that has nothing but different kinds of bread on it. You pray, give us this day our daily bread. Oh, my word. I was absolutely staggered. We tend to be self And some of these shortages, these logistical problems are waking us up to the fact that we need to pray for our daily bread. We tend to rely on ourselves when we get in the car and we turn the key, or we don't even have to turn the key anymore. We just throw the key fob in the seat and push the button. And the car even says hello to us now. We are a self-sufficient people who need to rely not on ourselves, but on the God who raises the dead. On him, Paul says, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Paul set his hope on Christ, on the God who raises the dead. But of all the people he expected help from, the Corinthians, really? the people who had found in the first letter 20 different problems, any one of them capable of destroying that congregation? They were taking each other to law. They were living incestuously. They were causing divisions in the church. Paul says to the Corinthians, as you help us by your prayers. That's why I'm not ashamed or afraid to ask people to pray for me. I don't, you know, kind of do a spiritual x-ray of their prayer life and say, yeah, I think this person would be a good person to pray for me. Oh, no. When your loved ones die, beloved. When they're gone. And you ache for the presence of the one you've known and loved for 47 years you will learn how to ask for prayers and you will feel the power of God working through the prayers of the least of your brethren through the little children whom you teach to pray and you will feel buoyed up as Moses felt when Aaron and Hur held up his arms in the middle of the battle at Midian on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. For whom are you praying? Now, I'm not going to get into a bunch of details about do you have a list? Do you follow a list? Do you pray? Or is our self-sufficient society just make it too easy to assume that everything's going to be there when you reach out? Or turn it on. And notice the outcome Paul intends for the end of verse 11. That thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. The purpose of prayer his praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Thanks is intended when God answers. Try this at your next prayer meeting. Listen for how many petitions you hear and listen for how many prayers of thanks you hear. And children, you know how to do fractions. Fractions. You put one over the other and divide it. And there you have your percentages. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who crowns your life life with steadfast love and with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now there's a prayer of thanksgiving, Psalm 103. Don't worry, I won't assign homework, but it's a good idea. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, the God who raises the dead. That's who he is, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort by which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's what he does. What are you to do? You are to comfort those who are in affliction. You are to seek them out. You are to go to the places. That's why churches have visitation programs. And when the elders come, how's everything? Fine. Just fine. I'm fine. Wife's fine. Kids are fine. Weather's fine. Job's fine. Everything's Fine. That's not what Paul does here, does he? He bears his soul to the likes of the Corinthians. Let us bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Therefore, confess your faults to one another, James 5, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So who are you praying for? Who are you praising? Are you praising the Father of mercies for His mercy? Are you praising the God of all comfort for His comfort? Are you praising the God who raises the dead for the unsearchable riches of his power that is at work in us, like that power which he wrought in Christ when he raised them from the dead and set Him at a place above the highest heaven? Do you believe the words of Ephesians 3, verse 21, when he says, Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all ages now and forevermore. We're to be a merciful people because we're the children of the Father of mercies. We're to be a comforting people because we're the children of the God of all comfort. We're to be a people who, like Paul, can say, when I am weak then I am strong because we are the children of the God who raises the dead. And we are intended by God to comfort one another in all our afflictions. I cannot begin to describe to you 200 get well cards and sympathy cards later how comforted I have been by the people of God. And then I have come to realize that this is God's intent for His church, for us. You don't know what kind of a day the person you greet is having. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So we've learned tonight from our text who this God is, this God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ how He is the Father of mercies, how He's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. He is the God who raises the dead, who delivers us from so deadly a peril, even when we feel the sentence of death is within us, even when we're overwhelmed with the success of sorrow, far beyond the ability to endure so that we despair even of life. This is who our God is. Is your God this God, beloved? Do you call upon Him as the Father of mercies? If you don't know the mercy of your God in your own heart, you have no mercy to share with any others. What did the publican say in the parable of Luke 18? Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's where we start. When this passing world is done, when gone down yon glaring sun, When I stand with Christ on high, looking o'er life's history, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. So bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless the Father of mercies. Bless the God of all comfort. Bless the God who raises the dead, who comforts you in all your affliction. Then go and be merciful go and comfort go and pray for those who are suffering affliction so that many thanks by many persons will be given for the favor bestowed through the prayers of many let us pray